0: The, the liberal churches overemphasize these chapters because they seem to teach a salvation by works, which they do not. But uh, if you misread them, you can do that. And then the ultra-conservative churches, uh, some reject them altogether because they don't want to fall into the error or risk anyone falling into the error of uh of thinking that salvation is by works. Nobody's read the Bible start to finish could think that anybody's going to earn a place in heaven. Uh, no, nobody that's, that's taken an honest look at their life would ever believe that doing a few good things or a thousand good things is going to cancel out all the sin that we've committed against the Holy God. Salvation by grace through faith and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's what he said. That's what he said, and I, and I believe him. I don't believe anybody's going to going to get to the Father unless they come through Jesus Christ. And you said, what about those Old Testament people before Jesus came? They went to paradise and waited for Jesus uh, to take them into the presence of the Father. But that's another uh, subject for another night. Now. Some people would also say, well, we don't study Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We don't study anything in Matthew or Mark or Luke or John because it's not an epistle written in the New Testament church. It's a gospel thing written to somebody somewhere. May I remind you that the Holy Spirit had the Apostle Paul warn against those who would not consent to the wholesome words of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you you can't follow Paul and ignore the words of Jesus Christ because Paul told you to give heed to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what we're gonna to do tonight, uh just these are these are just uh several sort of random truths taken from the Sermon on the Mount, but they have to do with teachings of, of practical and personal righteousness. And, and whatever you might think of, of visiting the sick and the imprisoned and, and, and that sort of thing, and, and the sheep and the goats on the right hand and the left and all that, uh, the truth of the matter is, Jesus Christ, if anybody knows how life ought to be lived, it's the Son of God. And if there's anybody I was going to listen to telling me how I should live my life, it would be the Son of God. Now, no offense to Paul the Apostle. He didn't write anything anyway. He just recorded what the Holy Spirit gave him to record. But if I was going to follow Paul or Jesus, one never sinned and one sinned repeatedly, it would be Jesus. And one was holy and harmless and undefiled, and the other just kind of did his own thing sometimes, even in the name of serving Christ. So, I'm going to follow Jesus. Uh, uh, besides, I know who shed his blood for my sins, and it, it wasn't Paul shed some blood, but it didn't take away one single sin of mine. When Jesus shed his blood, it washed all my sins away. So, anyway, we're in Matthew 5 uh, tonight. And we're going to skip past the the, the blessed Rs. They're called the Beatitudes, and I'm not sure why, except they be the attitudes that you're supposed to have. But uh Matthew five and verse twenty one, Matthew five, twenty one, Jesus says, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. And that still holds up today. People who never read the Bible know that God somewhere back there said, Thou shalt not kill. They, they, they know that. And so Jesus worded this just 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 right. That's not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Now, he didn't say whosoever is angry with his brother because we've been told be angry and sin not. And, and God is angry with the wicked every day. We studied that just a few weeks ago. But if you're angry without a cause... Some people are just angry all the time. They're just always quarreling and contentious and picking fights and striving, and that's just, just how they are. Jesus said, whosoever's angry with his brother without a cause should be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Rekha, should be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, should be in danger of hell fire. Well, those are interesting uh, charges, aren't they? Now look at verse 27. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. And you really got to go back to the old days to hear anybody say that. Yeah, right. Nowadays, everybody's saying, thou shalt commit adultery. But, but what God said way back in the old time was thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart, which leads into, and if thy right I offend thee, pluck it out, and cast it from thee. So, look at verse 17 now. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall no eyes pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Now, we, we, we couple these verses together because... They address different outward sins, but they teach the same truth. Both of these are sins the average man or woman would, I hope, think to themselves, I would never do that. Come on, I, I hope I'm in a room full of people tonight who if I said, Thou shalt not kill, you would also, well, of course not. I'm not going to kill anybody. And I hope I'm addressing a group of people tonight who we would all admit that we got sin problems, but we would all be justly and rightly offended if it was suggested we were adulterers or adulteresses, because we know that's, I mean, those sins made the top ten. They're bad ones. Wouldn't do that. Don't, don't even say I would do that. But Jesus, first of all, I want you to note, He said that That was the law way back then, but I've not come to do away with that. I have not come to change that. Now we understand, we are dispensationalists, and we understand that God deals with men and has dealt with men in different ways at different times. And back under the law that God gave to the nation of Israel, He said, Thou shalt not kill. And the law and the prophets were until John, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You know what Jesus said? I did not come to do away with "thou shalt not kill." Yeah, right. yep, good. So when you're when you're drawing your dispensational lines, make sure they're dotted lines, not great big heavy solid lines. Because while Jesus did come to bring in an age of grace and truth, as opposed to an age of law, He said, "I'm bringing that with me." And when in old time they said, thou should not commit adultery, you say, well, now we're under grace because it used to be law, but now it's grace. Jesus said, none of that's going to be done away with. I came to fulfill it, not to ignore it, not to erase it. But lest you think that grace allows you a liberty that law did not allow you, Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to take it farther than I did when I talked to Moses. I'm not going to lower the bar, I'm going to raise the bar. Because all of those Israelites living under the law had a far-off distant God who gave them commandments and then stayed away for years at a time. But you are going to have the Son of God... Dwelling within you, the Holy Spirit of God living inside you, and I think I can, I think I can expect a little bit more out of you than I can those people back then. Now if you lived in old time and God said don't kill, and He sat way up there in heaven, And once a year he came down into a holy of holies and met with one man out of your whole nation. And that's pretty much all you ever knew of God or heard from God. He would expect you to not kill and not commit adultery. But if God came down here and gave you everlasting life and moved into you in the person of the Holy Spirit, you know what he'd expect? He would expect you to not only refrain from killing someone, but to so control and govern your heart and your emotions that you didn't even let your anger simmer over into a desire to kill them. Come on, look what he said. You heard that it's been said thou shalt not kill. I'm telling you, don't be angry without a cause, don't say things in anger that shouldn't be said, don't call names in anger that are not accurate, control yourself, govern yourself, surrender yourself to the control of the Holy Spirit. Not only should you not kill that man, you should refrain from the desire to kill him. Not only should you not take that man's life, you should desire that that man be saved, that that man be washed in the blood as you are, that that man be forgiven as God forgave you. Man, Jesus takes it farther. And then he said, "Now, now, you know something. We studied David and Bathsheba and as a terrible thing David did when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. But you know what I got to say to you, fellas, in the New Testament, to you ladies in the New Testament." I don't even want you looking to think about it. I don't even want your mind going there. I don't even want your heart pondering that activity. Here's what Jesus taught. He's pointing out that that killing is a bad thing, but having murder in your heart is a bad thing. And adultery is a bad thing, but having adultery in your heart is a bad thing. Now, I've had I've had uh, I was going to say knuckleheads, but it's not fair to knuckleheads to use this name for what I'm about to say. I've had people say, and it, it's just so dumb. Well, if it's if it's wrong to look after somebody and lust after them, and it's wrong to commit adultery, if you if you're going to lust, you may as well go ahead and really. If one's as bad as the other... No, one's not as bad as the other. If I want to shoot you, I haven't widowed your wife. I haven't orphaned your children. I haven't put myself in the slammer for for 40 years and left my wife and kids to fend for themselves. One's not as bad as the other, but Jesus said both of them are an offense to a holy God, and both of them are a hindrance to your spiritual life. And we should be as concerned about our attitudes as we are our actions. And we should be as concerned about our thoughts and our desires as we are about our activities. Now look, it is, if a man sneaks a peek and then dwells inappropriately upon what he saw, that's not going to end him up in the divorce court. If he rendezvous with that woman and, and meets up with her in the motel and, and they, they, they perform the, the act and, and, he's finished. So, look, one's not, one's not as bad as the other. That's not true. That's not true. It is worse to commit adultery than it is to lust after a woman in your heart. But Jesus said, I don't want you doing either one. I not only do I not want you to do it, I don't want you to think about it. I don't want you to dwell upon it. I don't want you to meditate on it. Now, now listen. We uh, I I don't, I don't I don't hang out with women. I I married one and that's the one that I hang out with. I don't I don't hang out with women, but I hang out with men. And I don't hang out with lost men. I hang out with saved men. And I can't tell you how many times I have heard a saved man say, well, there's nothing wrong with looking. What book are you getting your instructions from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whose teachings are you following when you when you say that? Yeah, right. Now, listen. I, don't, I, I heard one. I, I said one time, and, and here's a bunch of guys. They're supposed to be preachers, and this woman walks by, and they you know, they're they're kind of doing what men do, and and one guy said. Well, you know, just uh, admiring God's creation, (laughs) ha, 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 ha. Well, you know, you expect lost people to talk that way. You expect saved people to talk that way. In the Bible, in the Bible, holy men praise God for the mountains. Holy men praise God for the oceans and the seas. Holy men praise God for the sunshine and the stars that shine at night. Holy men praise God for the for the heart that runs through the forest and the lion that stalks its prey. You don't have one verse of Scripture where a holy man wrote a psalm about the woman that walked by in the shopping center. God said... I don't only want you controlling your trigger finger so you don't shoot the man. I want you controlling your emotions so that you don't want to shoot the man. And I don't just want you controlling your steps so they don't follow that woman home. I want you controlling your heart so your thoughts don't follow her home. And I'm telling you that what Jesus taught under grace is a higher standard than what Jehovah put in writing in the law. God expects more of people to whom He gave the Holy Spirit. He expects more of people in whom Jesus Christ dwells. And I would would say this, I I believe it's true, once in a while, once in a while, all of us do something, it's just a response, it's just a reaction, and, and we wish we hadn't, and we repent of it, we get forgiveness. But far more often than not, most of our sins are premeditated. And God said, stop meditating on that which would be a sin, and meditate on that which would lead to righteousness. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So you see somebody do something horrible that that deserves being shot. Like cut in front of you in the line at subway. I mean, some horrible thing. Like go so slow as to make you get caught at the traffic light. You mean, I could kill that guy. Well, you... you could and maybe you couldn't. Maybe he'd kill you first. I don't know. But you know, the Lord said, "I want that repented of." Well, how, how how do I do that? Well, instead of saying I want to kill that guy, you said, "Lord, would you would you save that man?" He obviously needs to be saved. If he was saved, he wouldn't have caused me so much discontent in my heart. You pray for him. When that when that woman walks by and you say, well, you know, if, if women didn't do this and women didn't do that, come on. Women get married in Saudi Arabia. They go out in public dressed like, like a, it's a, a glad bag and, and, <laughs> and somebody still says, I don't know what's under there, but I'd like to find out. Right? Come on. It's just in a man to desire a woman. God put that there. What about, no, no, God put that there. I don't know who put the other stuff there, but it wasn't God. You know, Jesus didn't say, if a man looks on a man to lust after him. The Son of God felt no need to advise against that. You know this thing's gone so far. People are in the realm of sin, and now that God didn't even think He'd have to have to deal with. So anyway, when 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 a woman passes you by, you pray, "Get your Lord save that woman, that that poor woman. She just needs to be saved. She's so good looking. She thinks that she can get through life without you. She probably got a rich man taking care of her. Everything she's ever wanted, she's gotten it. Lord, please save her." Please save her, give her acne or something to just make her, make her feel her need for you, and that's how the other women pray. You know? God make her hair fall out. <laughs> okay. Anyway, you see what? I better quit right there before this thing gets any worse. See what Jesus is saying? It's not just your actions that need to be right. It's your thoughts, it's your emotions, it's your responses. Jesus said, I want all that right. All right, Matthew 5, let's go back up to verse 23. Matthew 5, 23. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gifts. All right, the laws and regulations for worshiping God with various sacrifices make up much of the Old Testament commandments. And nobody could read the Bible and say they're not important. Yet in these verses, Christ takes us in an unexpected direction. And he said, as much as I desire your worship, I will not accept it until you've done everything you can do to fix that relationship. And as much as you should bring your offerings to God, and as rare as it is when people do bring their offerings to God, God said, keep your money until you have done everything you can do to fix that relationship. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? We spent, I forget how many, how many pages, dozens of pages, when I, when I wrote that commentary on Malachi, I'm telling you, verse after verse after verse after verse, God said, get that sacrifice out of here, I don't want it. Go make things right with Him. Take that offering away, I, I'm not looking at it, I'm not receiving it at your hand. Go make things right with her. He told him in Malachi, he told a man in Malachi, he said, I'm watching you weep at my altar and shed tears at my altar and bring me sacrifice to my altar. And God said, I'm sick of it. Go treat your wife properly. That's what he said. Now, look, look I'm just I'm just telling what Jesus said. You can take it or leave it. But that money you dropped in that offering box, God would rather you kept kept that money and get over your bitterness against him and your resentment toward her and get off your high horse and forgive that man. God said, I want your heart more than I want your money. And if your heart's not right with people I love and people that I indwell, your heart's not right with me. That's what he said. He said, and Peter, he said, man, if a husband's on this side and the wife's on that side, and they're just butting heads with each other, Lord said, your prayers are hindered. I don't want to hear you pray. I don't want to hear your voice. Because I love that man, and you don't. And I love that woman, and you don't. And you both come and tell me how much you love me. That ain't going to work. Chris and Linda kids sitting right up front here. And I, Caden, come here a second. Come here, Caden. Come here. She said, "You just go down when I hit you, okay?" Lynn, I tell you, I sure love you and your husband. I mean, I really think the world of you guys. You're just the greatest. Thanks. You act like that's happened to you before. now, now if I tell Chris and Lynn that I love them but I can't stand their children, and I mistreat their children, that ain't going to fly. That doesn't work. And you can take out your songbook and sing, tell God how much you love Him, and you can open up your Bible, boy, preacher, that was good, I love that preaching. But if you don't love that man, and you won't fix things up with that man, and you won't forgive that woman, and you won't do everything you can to reconcile with that person, the Lord says, I don't want to hear it. I don't know, that's that's Jesus. That's what he said. Leave your gift at the altar, and go find that guy and say I'm sorry. Leave your gift at the altar and go say to that say to that woman. I, it doesn't matter what happened. What's in my heart's not right. That's what he said. Hey, look, you keep coming to church. Fight all the way to church, smile at church, fight all the way home. The Lord said, You may as well stay at home, it don't count for nothing. Now, don't, don't no, no testimonies. Just go, on, I'm going to read it again. Some of you act like it's not in the Bible. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, isn't that a right thing to do? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? And, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. It didn't say you did anything wrong. He thinks you did. It didn't say you were the guilty party. It just said you and that brother, things aren't right between you. That's what it said. There's no blame here. There's no, there's no assessment or assignment of guilt. He just said, you come to the altar to worship God and you remember that you have a brother and you and that brother are not the way you're supposed to be. Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. How about that? Apparently, the Lord values unity over cash. Apparently, the Lord values having the right heart over going through the motions of worship. So I've tried. Look, if you've tried, you've tried. But you know, if you've tried, if you haven't tried, I've done everything I can do. Is that true, or, or is that, are you you've done everything you wanted to do? Well, I don't know. Okay, look, 25. Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest than any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast in prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Okay, so, so here's what we say. Let's suppose these two brothers right here have a fallen out. Okay? And next week... One's sitting over here and one's sitting over here and they, they don't speak to each other more, they don't talk to each other anymore. But you know, they they both they both witness and they both give out tracts and they both come to prayer meeting and, and they, they both take class in the Bible school, but they just they can't stand each other. And it turns out she didn't like either one of them. It was it was yeah. just a big fight over nothing. But but they, they just <laughs> But they go through the rest of their time in Bible school, and they're just bitter, and they're just angry. And, and I say, brother, you know, you really need to work that out with him. Oh, I tried. I spoke to him, and it just it didn't work out. And I said, now, brother, you know, you guys, this is this going on long enough. Y'all ought to fix this up. Well, I tried, and it just nothing happened. Okay, let's, let's take the next two verses. If you were going to prison, if you didn't fix this, would you, would you have tried harder than you tried? If they were going to cuff you and sentence you and lock you up for 20 years in the jailhouse if you don't fix that, now tell me, did you try to fix it? That's interesting context, isn't it? Because we say, well, you know, I tried and I, you know, I sprinkled a little water on the plant and it still died and I, you know, I. George Jesus said, that guy's going to throw you in jail if you don't fix it. How hard would you try to fix it then? Okay, so brother, you got somebody here you don't like, or you're not speaking to, or you got something in your heart against them. Have you done that? Sister, you got somebody that hurt your feelings or offended you. and, and Let's say they're, they're completely wrong and you're completely right. That's You know what he said? They got something against you, you go fix it. Like you would try to fix it if you were going to jail. Because you know what? That bitterness and that unforgiveness, it's going to put iron bars around your heart and it's going to cut you off from life. You'll be looking at joy and not be able to get to it. You'll be looking at peace and not be able to get to it. You'll be looking at happiness and not be able to get to it. Because that unforgiveness, that bitterness that division and strife, that's, that discord among brethren, I tell you, it's like, it's like being in prison. You don't want to go there. Alright. Let's go on down to chapter 5. If anybody should ever be tempted to think they've reached the spiritual finish line, all you got to do is consider what the Bible says about the gift of speech. The use we make of our Ability to talk. Look at 533. Again, you have heard that it has been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. Ladies can, but uh, men, men can't. But let your communication be yea, yea, uh, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Now, <laughs> our words should have meaning or value. If your words count, you don't have to swear. If your words count, you don't have to add oaths to them. Right? You know, a bunch of unsaved heathen uh, high schoolers, and and the guy, the guys I, I went high school with. If somebody said something and you didn't believe it, you'd say, "Truth." He'd say, "Truth," and you'd say, "Swear, swear," and then and then people say, "Swear to God." Now, this is old school. If that guy was lying, he'd stop right there. Unsaved people, when I was when I was a kid. You wouldn't swear to God if you were lying. Because you just figured he's going to put you through a windshield or something. You just just didn't go there. But what Jesus said is, you shouldn't have to do that. What you say should be valid. Everybody should know it's valid. There should be no question about the honesty and integrity of your words. Here's the bad thing about lying. Whether well, you make up some, some story about why you quit church, you make up some story about the preacher, you make up some story about your, your wife or your husband, you make up some story about something you did and you didn't do. And Once you've lied, nobody can ever really be sure if the next thing you say is true or not. Lying just, it so erodes marriage relationships and friendships and and church fellowships and, and business partnerships. You got your yay's gotta be yay every time and your nay's gotta be nay every time or the next time someone I don't, maybe that's you the know, last time I trusted him, it turned out it wasn't that way And I, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. And and this is just one example, but come on. How many things do we say in the course of a day that either didn't need to be, didn't need to be said, or something better could have been said, or the way we said it could have been more honoring to the Lord? I mean, we just, uh, Ecclesiastes said in a multitude of words there wanteth not sin. Man, that's the truth. Ecclesiastes 5 says, be not rash with thy mouth. You know what a rash is? It's something breaks out all over the place. And humans just have, have rash mouth. <laughs> they may have a rash in their mouth, but they got a rash mouth. And we, we just talk too much. We say too many things. And, and we, don't, we don't ponder what we say. We're not careful about what we say. And Jesus went on. It's, it's tough. He said, every idle word that a man shall speak, he, he should give account thereof in the day of judgment. That's tough. That's tough. Every idle word. That's when you're talking, your brain's in idle. It's not going anywhere. It's just running. Talk shows. Reality TV shows. Chat shows. You know what that is? Just idle words. It's just people with the brain turned off, but the mouth's still running. Liberals in the pulpit. Modernists in the pulpit. Bible deniers in the pulpit. The brain's off, but the mouth's still running. Arguments in the living room. The brain's off, but the mouth's still running. Teenagers running down mom and dad in the parking lot. The brain's off, but the mouth's still running. You know what Jesus said? I'm, I'm, I'm counting those idle words. I'm not counting the words that... Because look. When the person you're saying that stuff about, when they walk up, you can put a check on it. Jesus said, I want to check on it all the time. Not just when you think you might get caught. He said, I caught you. You've been caught. I heard it. Just turn off the engine. Shut it down. It don't hurt to be quiet sometimes. All right. Matthew 5.38. You see why people want to get rid of what Jesus said. Matthew 5.38. You've heard this been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Lost people know that. That's yeah. so why I said, you heard this. You, you know somebody said this. You just did, didn't know it was in the Bible. But I say unto you that... That's uh, <laughs> well, about time to go home. Ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law, and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. You've heard people say, go the second mile. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow thee, turn not thou away. Now, Everybody's going to give you a different take on this in a social setting or a business setting or a street corner setting. And if you, if you talk to people in 50 different countries, you'd probably get 50 different applications or, or takes or meaning on the verses. But I can summarize it. I can summarize it. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an extremely difficult concept. But you want it in some... Abandon all thoughts of revenge. That's what he said. Don't try to get even because you can't. Don't try to settle the score because it won't be settled. Just move on, keep trusting God. Now, this this is this easier for ladies and men. Uh, I'm a Christian and I've got a brain in my head, so I know that men and women are different. If you're not a Christian, you don't have a brain in your head, all you got is, is, uh, is uh, public school and TV brainwashing, you might think men and women are the same, and the ones you hang out with might be, but, but in the real world, men and women are very different. Men do not buy romance novels with a picture of a guy standing up in a boat with his flowery shirt open and a woman falling into his arms and no man is right mind by that book. But women buy those stories about f- sailing off into the sunset and living happily ever after because that's what they hope will happen for them one day. Just, just telling you. All the stuff you said, you told her you were going to do that but then you got married and you went to work. <laughs> and no store you shop at sells those kind of shirts (laughs) now men don't read those books I'll tell you what men read men read the Count of Monte Cristo I'm going to rot in this jail for 30 years and I'm going to eat cockroaches and bugs to stay alive with one hope in mind I'm going to track that guy down and kill him John, May, John Wayne made a fortune, getting revenge. Clint Eastwood became a household name, getting revenge. You know what men want? Men want to sit through the same plot and the same scenario and the same chase and the same shootout to get to the end of the hour and a half when the good guy says, Remember me? Click. That's what men want. Men want revenge. And so men get saved, and they start following Jesus. And people cheat them, and people cuss them, and people do them wrong. And they get in church and start serving God, and church people do them wrong. And that thing rise up and there, boy, it's the last thing I do, I'm going to get that guy I'm going to hunt him down. It takes 30 years. I'm going to settle that score. Everybody's going to know what he did to me, and I'm going to bring him down. No, you know what Jesus said? Stop it. Stop it. It's just a coat. You can get another coat. It's just a hundred bucks. You'll find another hundred bucks out there somewhere. It's just a slap on the face. What did I take for you? They stripped me naked and then slapped me in the face. They hung me up on a cross after spitting all over me. I did that for you. I did that for you. What can you do for me? So I've been, I've been wronged in my life. I bet you have. I've been lied about. I bet you have. I've been cheated. I bet you have. What are you going to do about it? How am I going to chase down everybody who lied about me and then everybody who believed the lie and repeated it and then everybody that twisted it some and repeated it to somebody else? You can't track all that stuff down. You just got to say, Lord, I'm sure I'm glad I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Use me today. Help me be a blessing to somebody. Help me not to waste any more time in my life fretting and worrying over liars. One day I get to heaven and get to rejoice that you cut all the tongues out. Lion lips should be cut off. What if, what, if that, what if that plays out? What if you get to heaven, and you're up there in your glorified body, and it's got no lips? <laughs> well, the resurrection. I thought it was going to, be, going to be made perfect. Well, yeah, but every time I put you in a church, you lied about the preacher and tried to ruin him, so I just cut your lips off. <laughs> Wouldn't that be, you think that's really, no, no, but it, just desiring a little revenge in heaven, I guess. So here's what God said, vengeance, come on, we all know it, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Now what if I take that away from God and I try to do it? I can't do it. And I said, Lord, I thought you were going to get vengeful. No, you didn't want to wait for me. You tried to do it. Just leave it be. Mm. You know somebody somebody is going to smite you. And what Jesus said is expect another one. And somebody is going to take things from you that they had no right to take, and guess what? Somebody else is going to do it after that. It's going to happen again. And somebody's going to make you go somewhere or do something you shouldn't, where you shouldn't have had to go and do something you shouldn't have had to do and get used to it. It's probably going to happen again. You know what he said? Learn to take wrong without being affected by it. Learn to be hurt without being knocked out of the race. If I look, if I said tonight, who, who in here has been ripped off for some money? Everybody would raise their hand and people look across the room and say, Yeah, <laughs> you, what are you raising your hand for? Because this guy didn't settle with that guy, and but that guy didn't settle with this guy and this guy didn't settle with and it just come on, every Nobody's ever gotten everything served up to them the way it should have been, and you're not going to. You know what the Lord said, What's that got to do with enjoying salvation tonight? Just get up tomorrow morning and make a make a great day out of it. Serve God, enjoy the Lord. Don't eat yourself to death trying to get even with everybody because you can't. All right, one more. Matthew five forty three. You have heard... Oh, this, this hurts. I don't want this to be in here. Listen, I believe every word in the Bible and I thank God for every word in the Bible but I thank God for some more than others. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Isn't that great? Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Isn't that great? I love that. Now these... <laughs> you have heard that it have been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Well, who couldn't sign on for that? But I say unto you, love your, <laughs> love your enemies... That can't be in the original. (laughs) Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. (laughs) Pray for them, which despitefully use you and persecute you. I don't want (laughs) to. Nobody reading that wonders what it means. The last one, okay, the coat thing, the soothy at law, you know, do we, do we file an appeal? Do we, you know, we... this one, everybody gets it. 45, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son, S-U-N, to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust, Okay, we'll read the rest of it in just a second. Look, here, here, here it is. It's just, it's this simple. Jesus said, Climb higher than those around you. Be better than the other guy. Well, I love him because he loves me. And I hate him because he hates me. You know what that is? That's water. It just seeks, it seeks the lowest level and, and stays right there. You know what the Lord said? I want to make you better than that. I want to make you more than that. I want to do something in your life that puts you on a plane where you don't just mirror the people that are around you. You mirror God. I don't want you to be like the people surrounding you. I want want you to be like the Lord. And when the sun comes up tomorrow morning, it won't just shine on Christian houses. And when the rain falls on the crops, it doesn't just fall on the saved farmers' crops. Because God is good whether you are or not. And God is kind whether you're kind or not. And God is gracious whether you appreciate it or not. And He said, I want you to be like me, not them. That's a high calling. That's a high calling. To not be like the person I'm looking at, but to be like the God who's looking at both of us. That's the calling. I've had great advantages in life. I hope you have. I had a father that expected me to do right. And I had a mother that expected me to do right. And I can't can't tell you how many times something would happen at school or something would happen in the neighborhood. And I'd say, say, but this kid did this and this kid did that. And And my mother would say, but you're better than that. I wasn't, but she expected me to be. And you'd come home, and, 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 and here's the note. And I'd say, but dad, these ki- this kid started it. He started it. And he, and my dad would say, he's not my kid. You are. I'm not concerned with what he did, but I'm concerned with what you did. Now, are you a child of God? Well, Lord, all these lost people and all these wicked people and all these drunks and all these reprobates and God says, those aren't my kids. You are. I expect more from you. I expect you to be better than that. You know what Jesus said? Don't come and tell me what that lost man did. You treat him like I would. This, this This is high ground we're on here. Verse 46, for if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? Everybody can do that. And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. See what he said? I don't want you trying to be like the people around you. I want you trying to be like your Heavenly Father. I, I, I heard a story, it's probably, probably just one of those preacher's stories, but I heard this story and I've always remembered it. Back in the days of boardwalks and mud streets, two very wealthy aristocrats were walking down the boardwalk And staggering toward them, coming from the other direction, was the town drunk. And as they approached, one of those wealthy, aristocratic men stepped off the sidewalk into the mud to let the drunken man pass. And the other fellow said, I can't believe you'd get off off the sidewalk and step in the mud for that guy. And the man said, I can't believe that you'd have less manners than him. You know what the one did? The one said, I'm better than he is, I'm going to make him get in the mud. And the other one, like Christ said, I'm better than he is, I'll get in the mud for him. The Lord doesn't want us to find the level of conversation on our job and sink to it. He wants us to stay above it. He doesn't want us to find the level of, of morality in our culture and sink to it. He wants us to stay above it. The Lord doesn't want us to be as good as the people we rub shoulders with. He wants us to be better. we got things we put on our bumper stickers and slogans that, that really catch on and they, and they sell big in the religious bookstores. One of them is, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. And that's true, but how sad we have to apologize to lost people for our conduct. And that's, that's what that says. I don't expect any more of me than you do of yourself, pal. You know what Jesus said? Be perfect. He didn't say don't make excuses for not being perfect. He said be perfect. And I hear, I hear, all the time I hear say people they, they'll be witnessing to somebody, and they'll say, now don't get me wrong, I'm no better than you are. You ought to be embarrassed to say that. That guy's not saved, and you've been saved 15 years, and you're no better than he is? Now, you could say, I don't deserve heaven any more than you do. But you should be better than he is. A saved husband should be better than a lost husband. A saved wife should be a better wife than a lost wife. A saved parent should be a better parent than a lost parent. Come on. And we should never, ever, ever say, I used to love that man, but then he did that. Because God never says that about us. And that's, that's who He wants us to be. Now, if I could dispensationally get rid of Matthew 5, it would sure take a load off of me. Because that's some high standards right there. But it looks to me like Jesus didn't get rid of the law. It looks to me like He took us to a far higher plane than the law. Here's what you heard. You heard it because God said it. But here's what I'm asking of you now. And it's, it's some serious business.